The title of my sermon this morning is Empty, Fill Her Up. Well, the text of my sermon is Ephesians 5, verses 17 to 21. In the handout that you have, the text is printed in the New King James together with the outline of the sermon that stays essentially the same for your easy reference. I want to read Ephesians 5, 17 to 21. This is the Holy Spirit that just really just, uh, you can just celebrate what he does. Verse 17, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Amen. I always look to Psalm 19.14 to ask God for an anointing on my words, his thoughts. So dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, I know that it is rude and impolite, generally speaking, to address personal questions to other individuals. I mean, there are just certain questions that people should know better than to ask. For example, you should never go up to a woman and ask, how much do you weigh? You should also never approach a woman and ask, how old are you? And you should never go to anyone and ask, is that a wig? (laughs) Or a toupee? Or, Do you color your hair? There are just certain types of questions that one should not ask. Well, this morning I'm going to take a risk by asking you a personal question. But I think it's very acceptable in this kind of a setting. It's appropriate. And the question is simply this. Is the Holy Spirit filling you right now? Now understand, I'm not asking you if you have been filled by the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking you if you believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit. My question is, is the Holy Spirit filling you right now? Now there's only three possible answers to this question. Yes, no, and I don't know. And I want to submit to you that every Christian should be getting filled with the Holy Spirit and every Christian should know it. You know, in other sermons I've told you that when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit enters your body. I then told you that he simultaneously enters us into the body, that is the body of Christ. But now... I want you to also understand that when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to empower us, to take control of us, to use us for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to put our thoughts together, and we're going to think about the Spirit-filled life. And so in your outline, first consider that the Spirit-filled life is a commanded life, a commanded life. Ephesians 5.18 states, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 
The verb translated be filled in the Greek language is in the imperative mood. That means that this is not a suggestion. This is not a request. It is an unalterable command from the living God. So please understand the following. To live the Christian life apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit is to live in sin. It is the will of God for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul, immediately preceding this verse, in verse 17, says, understand what the will of God, what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is for you, for us, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are never commanded to be baptized by the Spirit. We are never commanded to be indwelled by the Spirit. We're not commanded to be sealed by the Spirit, but we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And furthermore, this verb is in the plural. In other words, every Christian is to be filled. Not just the pastor, not just the staff, not just the deacons, not just every Sunday school teacher, but every Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The verb is also in the present tense. In the Greek language, that denotes continuous action. In other words, we are to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen. The baptism by the Holy Spirit that puts us into the body of Christ lasts a lifetime. The sealing of the Holy Spirit that secures our salvation lasts for eternity. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is to be renewed every day. Anyone knows that when you fill your car tank with gas, that after one filling, that's not going to last. You're going to drive out, go around, and eventually you're going to run low on fuel again. Well, That's how it is with the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the Spirit that you get today, what you get today may not last through tomorrow. Now, the difference between the car being filled with gas and you being filled with the Spirit is this. Even if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, God does not leave you. He never leaves you, period. But listen, if you're running low on empty and the Holy Spirit, you will have no power. You know, I found it fascinating that Paul contrasts being drunk with being spirit-filled. Now, if I were to ask, how many of you believe that being drunk is wrong, I'm sure everybody's hands would go up. If I, be- if I were to ask, how many of you believe it would be wrong for me to come up here on this pulpit and preach drunk, both of your hands would go up. Listen, if this verse means what it says, it is just as sinful for Christians not to be filled with the Holy Spirit as it is for Christians to be drunk. The problem is we have accentuated the negative and we've eliminated the positive. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the sin of drunkenness. And I'm not trying to minimize the evil of drinking. But carnal Christians living in the flesh 
have done more heart, more harm to the cause of Jesus Christ, far more than a Christian who will have alcohol and be drunk. Now the word filled was a word used by the of the wind filling up a sail and carrying a ship along the water. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to allow the ship of your life to be guided by the wind of the Holy Spirit of God. Just as a wind guides the sail that guides the ship, so every thought we think, every word we say, every deed we do should be directed by the Holy Spirit of God. Now in all this, keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is a person. Just as Jesus is a person, and just as the Father is a person. Now the Holy Spirit has his powers and he's got his influences and he gives power. But for now, it's important to note that he is a person. When, when the Bible speaks of being filled with the Spirit, it's not referring to a glass that is being filled by a liquid, but it's referring to a human house that is completely occupied by a divine person. Now, why do you think that Paul spoke of being drunk with wine in the same context that he's talking about being filled with the Spirit? Why did he use the analogy of being drunk? Well, he did it because he was not only speaking by way of contrast, but he was also speaking by way of comparison. You know, there is a real sense in which the result of being Spirit-filled may be compared to being intoxicated with alcohol. When you're under the influence of alcohol, you literally do what the alcohol wants you to do. And sometimes that is very crazy things. Have you ever observed a drunk doing crazy things? Well, even though the Holy Spirit may not necessarily have you doing crazy things, if he dominates you and directs you, you will do things that can only be explained by the power of God. Second in your outline, consider that the Spirit-filled life is a committed life. You know, I want to challenge your thinking about the Spirit-filled life for just a moment. Basically, when you talk about the Spirit-filled life, Christians always have two questions. What and how? That is, what is a spirit-filled life, and how do I get filled? Well, I believe that there's another question that comes after the first one, but before the second, and that is the why. You know, every Christian should want to be filled with the Spirit and know what the Spirit-filled life is all about. But you should also ask yourself, why do I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Think about this. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can use God? Or do you want God to use you? You know, there's a lot of people who talk about the filling of the Spirit. But what they're really interested in is the feeling of the Spirit. They're after what I call the thrill of the fill. And I want to remind you that to be filled with the Spirit is to have every aspect of your life controlled by the Spirit. You know, our walk is to be controlled by the Spirit. 
And Paul begins this entire section by saying in chapter 4, verse 1, that we are to have a walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. And then Paul says in Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And he goes on to say in verse 16, that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Listen. Unless there is within us that which is above us, you will soon succumb to that which is about you. And furthermore, <clears throat> our worship is to be controlled by the Spirit. Jesus himself said in John 4.24 that if we are going to worship God, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. That refers not only to our human spirit, but it refers to the Holy Spirit of God. Our worship is to be energized by the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason why many people who come to church endure worship rather than enjoy worship is because they never really experience worship. They're worshiping God in the flesh, not in the spirit. It takes a spirit-filled Christian with a spirit-filled antenna to catch the spirit-filled signals of a spirit-filled worship service. You know, there are many people who come in without a clue. And they leave without a clue because they are never on the same frequency as the Spirit of God. They're watching the clock. Next in your outline, consider the letter A, our witness. Our witness is to be spiritually controlled. Now I want to say two things, and I want you to hear me clearly. On the one hand, you cannot have an effective witness without being filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, you can be a witness without training, without memorizing scripture, without an outgoing personality, without even having the ability to speak. But you cannot be an effective witness without the filling of the Holy Spirit. But let me add this. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, your witness will be ineffective. But with the filling of the Holy Spirit, your witness will be inevitable. You cannot help but witness for Christ if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus tells the disciples to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You see, Jesus sent the saint into the world after he sent the spirit into the saint. That must be true if our witnessing is to be biblically productive and spiritually effective. Now, your letter B in your outline. Our work is also to be spiritually controlled. I've said this before, that God does not want us to do his work for him. God wants to do his work through us. You know, the Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit can be compared to a glove. Until a hand fills a glove, a glove is powerless and it is useless. 
The glove is designed to do the work, but it cannot do the work by itself. It can only work when it gets a hand into it and controls it and uses it. And the only work the glove has is the work that the hand wants to do. And likewise, the glove does not ask the hand to give it an assignment and then tries to complete the assignment without the hand. The glove does not gloat or brag about what it does when it's all finished because it knows that the hand deserves all the credit. Well, a Christian can accomplish no more without the filling of the Holy Spirit than a glove can accomplish without being filled with a hand. And that is why we must be filled with the Spirit in a committed lifestyle. Third in your outline, consider the Spirit-filled life is a commended life, a commended life. There is something magnetic. There's something attractive about a spirit-filled Christian. When a Christian has the filling of the Spirit, he will bear the fruit of the Spirit, and his life will be as fresh as an ocean breeze. And Paul tells us here in our text, verse 19, that there will be a gladness about those Spirit-filled people They will be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in their hearts to the Lord. It should surprise some churches that the first sign of a spirit-filled life is not emotionally charged faith, speaking in tongues, or even a dynamic speaking ability, but rather it is a heart that sings. In other words, when you are filled with the Spirit, there will be a song in your soul. Let me ask you this question. Do you like to sing? I did not ask you, can you sing? I asked you, do you like to sing? When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be a melody in your heart. Now the question is not, the ability to sing, but the desire to sing. You may not sing very well, but it will be well when you sing because you will be making melody in your heart to the Lord. That phrase in the Greek language literally says to strum your heart like a musical instrument. I want to say something to those of us who cannot sing. You don't have to audition to sing in God's choir. You see, we listen to the voice. God listens to the heart. And he wants to hear every heart singing praise to him. Also, to be spirit-filled is that there will be a gratefulness about you. Our text, verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A spirit-filled life is a thankful life. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will literally be able to give thanks in all things. The only way you can be truly thankful to God in difficult situations is to be spirit-filled. Finally, there will be a graciousness about the person filled. Verse 21 states, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. 
Well, this word submit is a military term that refers to one equal submitting to another equal. What we are simply being told is that when we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we will always see others as more important than ourselves. And as much as we can, we should do all that we can to meet the needs rather than our own. You know, the great preacher Charles Hayden Spurgeon once made this observation. He said, If there were one prayer that I might pray before I died, it would be this. Lord, send church men and women filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, that's what we need today. For spirit-filled churches with spirit-filled Christians, they're the only hope for America and the only hope for this world. Amen? Service is over. But remember, beginning with you and ending with me, may every child of God be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'll see you next week.